Hi everyone, I'm Greg Mutasevich. When I'm not co-hosting Robots from Tomorrow with Mike Romeo for Multiversity Comics, I'm writing their monthly comic book binding column, Shelfbound. And from now until June 5th, I'm auctioning off a different, custom-bound volume of comics from my collection every weekday to benefit the Hero Initiative. Auctions start at $25 and run for three days. Some of the binds up for auction include Alan Moore's Miracle Man, colored Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels, and the launch of Milestone Comics, signed and sketched by Dennis Cowan. Follow Multiversity Comics on Twitter and keep checking out the site every day to see what other comics we're pulling out of the long boxes and putting on bookshelves for charity. Maybe your bookshelf. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian. With me, as usual, is Matt Ligori. Hello, Matt. Hey, how's it going? And uh, joining us today is the king of Multiversity podcasts. He's one-third of the DC3 cast. You hear him every month on Multiversity Manga Club. You hear him sometimes on Make Mine Multiversity. It's Mr. Zach Wilkerson. Hello, Zach. I don't ever actually think about how many podcasts my voice shows up on. I never <laughs> listen to any of them except the DC three singers. That's that's it. <laughs> so, you, so you download it and then skip to the very end. It, very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Matt and Zach are two thirds of the reason, along with the former host of this show, uh, Alice W. Castle, why I watched the Clone Wars in the first place. The three of you, specifically Matt, Matt, when Matt and I became friends, Star Wars was one of the first things we sort of bonded over. And I, I, I recall, Matt, and I don't know if you're going to remember this, I recall like seeing disappointment in your face when you found that I hadn't watched The Clone Wars. <laughs> like, I, yeah. We, yeah. We were talking, and you're like, oh. And so that, that sort of lit a fire <laughs> under me to, to start watching The Clone Wars. And so here we are at the end of Season 7. And uh, thanks, boys. Yeah, you're hey, welcome. You're welcome. So, Zach, because, I mean, you have been on Force Ghost before, but not for a while. Uh, for those listeners who maybe don't know your Star Wars fandom, can you just briefly give us, like, your relationship with the Clone Wars? Yeah, so um, I didn't get into, I didn't start watching Clone Wars until after Season 5 had wrapped, because it was coming out while I was in college, I didn't have cable, so I did. I couldn't watch it as it was coming out, and, you know, Back then, pretty much the only other way to watch it were the DVD Blu-ray collections, which were fairly expensive. Um, I did get... Uh, th there was kind of a collection of the first five seasons that came out, and I got that as a gift and kind of started watching it. And then around that time was when it moved to Netflix and the, the sixth season came out. Um, and I slowly worked through it. I didn't love it early on because it is it's a little slow i think um especially like the first two seasons are, are a little rough um but i think i really kind of caught up in earnest after i started watching rebels so i actually i did watch those out of order um i i watched rebels and loved it which is what caused me to go back and finish clone wars and i i finished clone wars or caught caught, caught up through season six around either right before or soon after force awakens came out okay 
And Matt, just to refresh people, how did you come to across Clone Wars? I, as as we piece it together, I've been watching it since it was on. Um, I remember the big kind of, I think it was summertime premieres of each season. They continue that into Rebels. Um, so I've been watching it for a long, long time. Because um, I remember watching the prequel cartoon um, Clone Wars series on Cartoon Network and follow that along through. Yeah. Um, as I stated, there were three people who sort of, uh, you know, encouraged me to watch. And I'm very, very glad that I did. And, uh, yeah, here we are. So, Matt and I spoke about the first arc of the show, which was um, basically a a reanimated version of three of the uh, sort of um, – sorry about that – four of the episodes that were put on the – I think it was YouTube. That, they were originally shown at Star Wars Celebration. They were, they were basically like storyboards with some minor mm-hmm. animation. And so the first arc was – uh, sort of a representation of those, and both of us, I think, were enjoying it, but weren't exactly blown away. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah. Then we got the the middle arc, which was sort of a reintroduction to Ahsoka, giving us the status quo of where Ahsoka has sort of where she is in between her leaving the Order and the the fall of Mandalore, and so. Uh, I thought that those episodes were fine. I think there was one in there. I think it was the third episode that was totally useless that <laughs> began with them in a prison cell and ended with them in the same cell, but in the middle they broke out and did stuff. It really felt like, shit, we need to get 12 episodes. We have 11 scripts. Let's stretch this one out. Aside from the sort of feeling like they're spinning their wheels, I thought those those episodes were, were okay and, 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 you know, generally enjoyable if not you know revelatory what did you guys think of those uh of those episodes matt what did you think of this of those ahsoka episodes i thought they were fine they were you know nice to watch but uh, the same issue with the first arc is you're just anticipating this going somewhere and it doesn't the i mean the high note i guess the story notes really was they see that darth maul is back and they introduce mandalorians and that's kind of it the rest of it was fine to watch but again just waiting to get to something meatier kind of i don't know made each episode feel like why are we doing this and again four episodes it could have been two so it just felt dragged matt i mean sorry zach yeah i i feel pretty similarly like i i I did enjoy the arc um enjoyed the new characters Mm -hmm. and kind of what they represented um, just kind of normies in the Star Wars universe, and really, really the stuff um, with kind of Ahsoka wrestling with the Jedi Order and what it means, especially coming out of um, you know the Ahsoka leaves arc. Um, I def- I agree with like your read on the third episode being really extraneous. Although I think although I think my favorite part of that arc comes in that episode. Um, which is when they're in the cell and they're kind of talking about the, we get the backstory for the Marte, Martez, yeah, Martez mm-hmm, sisters, mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, we get we get their whole backstory, and then they do this thing where this is my read on it. They kind of reframe "May the Force Be with You" as this like thoughts and prayers esque, 
euphemism that's used by the Jedi to just kind of hand wave problems away and and pretend everything is okay, which that's I thought really was really really read. smart. That's a really yeah. good read on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean there were a lot of things that I enjoyed in that arc, a lot of ideas, but yeah, I think it was definitely one, if not two episodes too long, um, and probably probably the same with. I I had not seen the Bad Batch arc. I never I never watched those um, production uh, versions um, and and liked what was in there. But it, again, it like a lot of Clone Wars arcs. I think I think my biggest problem with Clone Wars in general sometimes is the adherence to the four arc structure or four episode arc structure, which sometimes leads to some like fillerish content. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I felt like this season when you look back on it feels very much like other Clone Wars seasons where mm-hmm. there are some fantastic episodes, some good episodes and some snoozes. So yeah. like, from, from that perspective, this is a very sort of um, appropriate final season for <laughs> the Clone Wars. But I think that when you, especially when you watch these last four episodes, I think there was enough here to do a 12 part series season about this about these last, maybe not, you have to expand on these four things, but there's enough sort of meat on this bone that you could have expanded some of this stuff into their own episodes. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what feels like a yeah. wasted opportunity to me. I, yeah, I have some, it, the structure is really weird because, you know, everything is just prologue to the Siege of Mandalore. That's what everyone is here for and waiting for. And even the, the, it, insane attention of detail and production value that's given to the siege of mandalore and how much it's differentiated from the rest of the other episodes the rest of the season is like very clear which we'll talk about i think a little bit yeah um my my weird take is that i almost kind of wish that they had made siege of mandalore like a feature length thing to kind of bookend with the clone wars movie I mean, they basically did, didn't they? They basically, yeah, they basically did. But if it, I, I kind of wish it had been presented in that way rather than broken up into four episodes. Mm-hmm. And they could have used. I, I think there are like other stories that could have been told in this arc. Like I, I think it would have been really cool. And this is like very, like fanboy wish list kind of thing. But I really wish that they had adapted the Son of Dathomir comic in this season because I think that would have been like a great opener. To kind and, of tease for and that was supposed to be Mandalore. that was supposed to be part of it too. Yeah, and it that was. was written exactly. as, as Clone Wars scripts. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And so, like, if you know, they they remade or completed the Bad Batch arc. I, I kind of wish they'd maybe done that with, you know, that story or or you know, getting very very hmm. demanding and entitled like the Dark Disciple book, which was Clone Wars episodes. There were there were a lot of things that I kind of would have loved to have seen in in animation but i i'm happy with what we got maybe just a a little underwhelmed by the the earlier part of the season yeah i just want to toss one thing at you zach how would you have felt if there was it could have been as short as 30 seconds of a young kanan escaping order 66 uh i'm really torn on this idea I, i i go back and forth in my head if if i wanted to see it or not no, I, I would say no, only because we did have that Kanan comic that showed that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that the little cameo that we did get of Kanan 
in that meeting room scene was enough. Mm-hmm. That's my take on that. Matt, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I like it being one step away. Um, I don't mind them being connected universes, but not one and the same. So, yeah, and I think the the comic does a good job of filling in that gap. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the things with Order 66 is, I'm first of all, I'm very glad we got that in this series. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to see how both Ahsoka and Rex aren't a part of that. Um, but I also think that there could have been a little bit more, I don't want to say wrap-up, but there are a couple of Jedi who were introduced in The Clone Wars who we just presume presume were killed in Order sixty six, and I think you could have done a whole episode of trying the of showing those um, those stories a little bit. I I kind of agree. On one hand, I really like how this arc is just very Ahsoka centric, and even mm-hmm. in, at times where you think that it's going to go broader in the ways that it it kind of weaves in and out of Revenge of the Sith, it it almost pulls its punches in that regard. And I really do. I was talking to another friend about this who, who mentioned that he really liked the very narrow focus. And I, I kind of agree. There is a part of me that can imagine like a six episode version of this that, yeah, focuses on, you know, we get, I think in the episode nine, it, when they're doing the, uh, you know, kind of um, clone wars recap at the beginning, we do see, other Jedi being sent off. Um, you know, you see like Ayla Sakura and maybe, maybe one or two others, um, going off to the places where we see them in revenge of the Sith, where we know Mm -hmm. that they'll get order 66. And I think that you, yeah, there is a version of this. that could have focused on that a little bit more and could have maybe even had some more time with like Obi-Wan and Anakin. That would have been really neat. But I'm satisfied with what we got. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I definitely think that there is um, there's enough meat on this bone. Matt, what were you gonna say about this? I, I also like I liked seeing Order sixty six through the eyes of the clones. We've seen it through the eyes of the Jedi, but seeing it actually their struggle and how that actually impacted them, um, again, kind of is the heart of what Clone Wars is about. So I kind of liked that kind of shifted perspective too i don't know if it would have taken away from that to refocus on all the other jedi um because it's you know it's a clear ahsoka's relationship with them is unique so that kind of kept it all in sync but yeah i, I could have gone either way i would have it been great to see but i don't mind that it stayed that focused yeah yeah i, I guess to me it's just like one of the really nice things about Disney Plus is that it gave Filoni and crew a chance to really finish the series on their own terms. And it just seems funny to me that the first eight episodes mattered at all to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you want to go back and finish this thing? Well, first, let's do these eight episodes that don't really mean anything. And then let's get to these four yeah. that are just action packed. You know, I, I think I would have liked a little bit more there. But I, I understand it. Um, well, and the bad the bad batch clearly is setting up for more cameos of them, which is not a thing, because the series is now over. Right. Um, I actually thought that perhaps the bad batch 
would be part of Ahsoka's escape from Order 66 because because they're the Bad Batch, they don't have the inhibitor chip in them. Mm. I thought maybe that was going to be why that was so important, that you needed them because they were going to help Rex and Ahsoka, and Ahsoka get out of there. That's true. And as I'm now rewatching Clone Wars for our recaps in season three, Bad Batch is a specific phrase that is used a lot with the clones. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it could have connected back in, but no, no. Yeah, still good. good. (laughs) Left it on the table, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, so so let's go through the the episodes of this last arc. The first one is called Old Friends Not Forgotten, and I am sure... Well, actually, you guys are both younger than I am. Did you guys get the same nostalgia kick in the balls when they had that green Lucasfilm Limited Production logo? Um, I I knew it set it apart from the rest of it, but it wasn't nostalgia for me because, yeah, I'm younger. I've seen so many different. Mm-hmm. See, to me, that's how Star encapsulation Wars encapsulation of Star Wars. Like yeah. that, that's how that's how the pre-special edition films began mm. um zach what about you yeah same, same as matt really no like nostalgia at all just because i'm not you know the first the first star wars i versions that i ever watched were the 97 editions mm-hmm. um so yeah they, i i say the same i knew it was set apart and it felt very special in that way i'm like oh we're okay we're doing something different in addition to um, you know, having the red logo and having the action, the real fanfare rather than the the Clone Wars mm-hmm. theme music, like that all felt very special. But um, yeah, okay. So I'm the old man, as always. I get it. <laughs> um, if Liz was here, Liz would agree with me. So. She, I'm sure she would. Yes. Yeah. So that that first episode, there were a couple of things that I really really liked about it. Um, it begins with this like this battle that Obi Wan and Cody are in, and then Rex and, a- and Anakin show up to save the day. But Obi-Wan basically uses his lightsaber to cut a missile in half in the first, like, 30 seconds. And I thought that was amazing. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that sequence. Um, I'm a little bummed we didn't get more Cody because Cody is usually, the like, the 1A to Rex's number one clone. Uh, and we don't see Cody's fate here at all, which mm-hmm. I was a little bummed about. But that's, you know, that's okay. But we do see it in Revenge of the Sith. We do. Yes, we do. Um I forgot about that actually. See, yeah, I think he's gonna... the one who he's the one who sixty six is Obi Wan. Yeah. See, I, I yeah, and he chops his head off without a thought in the world. There's no. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm gonna rewatch Revenge of the Sith maybe tonight. We'll see. Um, or if you look on YouTube, you can see all the deaths from Order sixty six with the Seinfeld theme mixed in. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. Oh yeah. Man, I might have to watch that after we record this. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. So then, uh, anyway, we we see um, we see Obi Wan and Anakin are called back to the Star Destroyer, and they're called back because Ahsoka is on the um, is on the hollow uh, hollow net. I guess is what they call it, along with um, Lady. Uh, what is it? Bo-Katan. I always mispronounce it. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, the Duchess Satine's sister, Obi Wan's former love interest, and they are basically saying they know Maul is on uh, Mandalore and they think they can capture him. 
And so Ahsoka joins them on the Star Destroyer, and there's there's a really nice reunion scene with both her and Anakin and then her and Rex. Mm-hmm. And all of this felt really nice, but it also was super depressing because you know this is it. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the sort of reunion aspects of that first episode? Zach, we'll start with you. Um, so at first it's like really bittersweet because, you know, Ahsoka gets off the ship and she's like very cold to Obi-Wan and especially Anakin, who's like clearly very happy and excited to see her. Uh, for the first time since she left and she, you know, kind of like plays it off and is very understandably like cold towards them. And, and she warms to him a little bit after Obi-Wan leaves. I feel like that kind of lets her let her guard down a little bit. Um, and yeah, it was very sweet, you know, especially the the moment between her and the clones. I definitely, you know, got a little wet in the eye when that happened. Um, yeah, it was good. Matt? Yeah, I really liked it. What, what struck me, um, I mean, the scene with the, the mask painting was really nice and how the clones respect her not because of her position, but because of what she did for them and what she meant to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that. And then also just how oblivious Anakin is to her hurt, her pain. She He thinks that she's just going to jump right back in. Um, that kind of was interesting to me, just how kind of clueless he was to the damage that was done to her by the order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also a very interesting bit where Anakin is talking with Obi-Wan and he's kind of rationalizing everything and he takes like what I see is like a very a very like Western Christian point of view again where he is trying to justify and like make himself feel good about you know Ahsoka leaving. Right. He he gives but... the whole like everything happens for a reason. If she yeah. yes. left, yep. she wouldn't have found Maul and we wouldn't be in this situation. And so thank goodness she left, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Obi-Wan like pushes back a little bit and you know, like, well, that's one way of looking at it. And Anakin is, you know, essentially he's like, no, that's the only way to look at it, which kind of starts to show like some of the cracks some of the instability there within him i i will say that i one of the things i expected from this season and this is somewhat jumping the gun but i think it's relevant to this conversation i expected this season to do some of the work that revenge of the sith doesn't do in Mm -hmm. terms of showing anakin turning to the dark side yeah when you yeah, the last we see of Anakin in this season, he is still like super Jedi, right? He walks through <laughs> that that field of projectiles and like barely moves his head to stop being hit, and then he he saves the day. And then when we see him at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, he's still super Jedi, right? There, there's really nothing. It's not until he kills Dooku that there's even the hint of what he's to become. He is more conflicted in attack of the clones than he is in revenge of the sith yeah i thought that this this season would do a little bit of the legwork of getting anakin from super jedi to super sith but it really doesn't do that not 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 that that's its job but you understand what i'm saying It, it almost undercuts it um the idea that anakin's turning was not about 
the you know evil bubbling up inside of him in the you know Tuscan Raider village is more just about his obliviousness to how much of a puppet he is that he is so easily has his strings pulled to kill Dooku become um you know the puppet of the Sith and by the time he realizes it's just too late which gives an interesting spin on the character I don't know if that was intentional or reading too much into it, but it's interesting to see him right at right at the brink here. He's still, you know, jovial, fun, you know, good guy, Anakin. Yeah, I I agree. And I think I think there's something to be said about like he he is that way, you know, on the I, I kind of I feel like it would have made more sense to make that opening sequence a little bit like more darker and foreboding and then to have him brighten when ahsoka shows up Mm -hmm. because like you really think about like the things you know over the revenge of the sith like palpatine systematically removes anakin's support group and that's what like sets him up to fall Mm -hmm. um and this is like the last time that he has his like full support group um, which which would have been I, I yeah I feel like that that would have maybe that dichotomy could have been a little bit more um explored but yeah I don't know it's interesting but <laughs> his whole fall in general in Revenge of the Sith is forever gonna be a you know a sticking point but mm-hmm. whatever yeah. yeah I also <laughs> feel like in in some way it's weird that there wasn't um, like if, if they're going with, okay, like Matt said, it's not the bubbling under it's the, he's a clueless pawn. They also could have used this season to show him more as the clueless pawn. Like it's, it's just, I feel like they really chose to do nothing with Anakin. Well, that's, that's okay. Yeah. They, they did. Mm-hmm. They did nothing with him, but tried to do things through other characters. Like we'll get to the conversation that Ahsoka has with Obi-Wan and the conversation yeah. she has with Maul. Yes. Um, but nothing with like him himself. Yeah. So anyway, the rest of this episode, there's a dope sequence where Ahsoka basically says, "I don't need a jetpack. I'm just gonna fly down to the surface myself." <laughs> and uh, it's it, it's great. It's super fun. It shows how great Ahsoka is. You know, not not the most intelligently designed sequence in the Clone Wars, but super fun. And it looks awesome. It, it does yeah, look so awesome. Cool. Yes. Talk about that for it a second, Zach. It also sets up to uselessness of jetpacks, by the way. Yes, it yeah. does. I feel like they're constantly trying to explain Boba Fett's death through Mandalorians dying from jetpacks on screen every three seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Zach, you want to talk about sort of how how different these four episodes looked. So go off, King. Well, yeah, there's just like a much more cinematic vibe to it. Like um, just going back to the beginning of this episode when Obi-Wan first shows up. Yeah, you're right. He he like slices that missile and then there's this long shot of him like in profile with his like lightsaber turned and the the, like uh dust and and debris or you know kind of like particles in the air or like slicing through it or or like it's cutting yeah it's just like the the way the wind like passes over it is like very, very visually distinctive it feels like a samurai movie or something. Um, and then you have these very big action set pieces, um, like Ahsoka just kind of free falling to the dock below, um, 
falling falling with style that's a thing right from star wars <laughs> yes is that okay what is that what from, is that though? from is that from attack of the clones is that star wars or is that something else that's something else that's, that's something else it's got to uh, be i don't know uh, <laughs> it's just some toy no, story it's toy story <laughs> <laughs> so brain addled i don't know i was thinking about the scene in attack of the clones where anakin is like falling from speeders yeah oh, that's what i was bounty hunter yeah where they're chasing yeah where they're chasing the <laughs> so that's what i was thinking of and i attributed to that uh gosh hey, they're, they're um, all under the empire of the mouse right you're right you're right they'll all be in kingdom hearts one day um <laughs> anyway what was i saying um yeah, so just just the degree, and even like you know, eventually we'll get two parts where they use motion capture, which is a first for the series. Um, I didn't even yeah. know about that. Oh, you need to look it up. Um, yeah. So, do you want me to like talk about the part when we get to it, or do you want just me to tell you? Just say it now. It's okay. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. So so when um, in the the throne room scene where Maul and Ahsoka fight, that's Ray Park doing mocap and a and a female stunt actress who's doing Ahsoka. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I can look it up, though. It's not Zoe Bell, is it? That might be right. That sounds right. From, um, uh, from Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof? Let me see. Um, She's the only female stunt actress I know by name. So, Trying to find it. Scrolling, scrolling. You guys talk, and I'll keep looking. <laughs> uh, no, it is... Um, Lauren Mary Kim. Okay, that's cool. I did not realize that was mocap. What's the yeah. other mocap sequence? That that's I think that's the only one. Oh okay. Um, but I I think that's the only time it's ever used in the series. And they did. There's a featurette that um, they put out about it. You, uh, I think you can find that on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, the Star Wars Channel put out a couple different things. There's an interview with George Lucas about the series. They really were pumping stuff out this weekend. I'll have to check out all of that. Um, all right, so then, you know, this this episode ends with Maul and Ahsoka meeting in the catacombs of, uh, of Mandalore. And the next episode picks up. And the next episode is kind of just one extended action sequence with Ahsoka and Maul. Um, intercut with a couple of smaller things, but it's mostly just that, yeah. that action sequence. And it's a bold thing to do for, for the show, but I think it works really well. What did you guys think of that sequence? Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. I um, Again, it's that Clone Wars early pre the prequel um, like fast action that I loved. Um, and it just is a continue. I like the, you know, I guess being an anime nerd, the long extended battle sequences in more precarious positions. Um, I thought it worked well. Um, it fit in with just kind of general chaos of the episode. So I, I didn't mind that. I didn't even notice that until you mentioned it. It was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much all that happens. <laughs> it's all natural. Yeah, there, I, I, too, like really enjoyed it. I thought it was really satisfying. There, there were a few things in the middle that I wanted to talk about. There's the part where they go talk to the prime minister and he gets murked in a very attack of the clones esque way you know where uh jango fett kills zem wessel while mm -hmm. she's about to talk um 
that that sequence was fun and the bit where they like first enter the the throne room and maul is just waiting for them which also reminded me of empire strikes back where they're on bespin and they walk into the room and mm. vader is waiting for them the best yeah. sequence in star wars history you mean <laughs> it's good <laughs> zach's been throwing fire on twitter about star wars this week and he's just bringing it to the show now so it's no that's good it's good um but yeah no my favorite part of the episode though is not even the fight sequences it's the it's the conversation between ahsoka and maul before yes. they fight Mm-hmm. The, it, because it's so loaded there's so much stuff in there and i just couldn't help like thinking about through that whole section how this kind of like solidifies you know the the trinity of the original trilogy is luke han and leia um i guess you could like argue that the trinity of the sequel trilogy is Pofin and ray and i think before this i guess like the trinity of the prequels would have been Anakin, Obi-Wan and Padme. But I think really this solidifies Ahsoka as like actually the important third part, because it, I I was just thinking about, okay, so like while Obi-Wan is off fighting Grievous, Anakin is dealing with Sidious, Ahsoka is dealing with Maul. Mm. And, and just thinking about how, if all those, if those three plot threads had been in revenge of the Sith, it would have been such a satisfying movie because one, it would have tied back to Phantom Menace in an even more satisfying way. Mm-hmm. And two, I think it would have really helped sell Anakin's fall a little bit more. Um, but then that movie also would have been like three or four hours and they would have had to introduce us. So <laughs> in that one movie, it would have been insane, but um, yeah, just this and, and just it's blows my mind how, how Maul has developed and I, I remember when they announced that they were bringing him back and I thought it was kind of dumb I thought his spider legs were dumb <laughs> but just what they've done with him and like what Sam Witwer has done with him and and what Filoni has done is just crazy um, I love it yeah so I want to I want to talk about that conversation in a second but Matt anything you want to talk about before we get to that conversation no that, no that's good okay so basically Maul tells Ahsoka like, your boy Anakin is being used by Darth Sidious. Now, he never says who Darth Sidious is, and I have a problem with that. I feel like if Maul's purpose here is really to bring down Sidious, he should say to her, Sidious is the Chancellor. Unless, is there a chance he doesn't know Sidious is the I, Chancellor? I was just, like, thinking back. I don't... I don't know. I don't I, know either. We actually ha, have we actually only seen them in person together once. Yes, when yes, Darth Maul says time. he has a his one line of the movie essentially, he says in the presence of Palpatine. No, I thought that's a hollow. Is it? We we see we them... see them fight in Clone Wars, but that's on like oh. the Sith homeworld. There. There's the part in at the very beginning of Phantom Menace where Sidious is talking to the the Trade Federation, the Cato Nemoidians, and he's like, "This is my apprentice, Darth Maul. He will come to you." And you, I, I think you get the impression that they're together then, and I think that's the only time. 
He could have just added him into the Zoom chat, though. That also yeah. could have been, yeah. He's like, let me patch in his hollow here for this <laughs> dramatic re- dramatic introduction. <laughs> um, but so like, I, that was the one part of that of that conversation that I was like, oh, well, if he's – if because here's the thing. No, I'm going to save that for the next episode. Or like the next, the next the part three of this, because there's a, there's a, an important question I have about part three, um, but I thought that conversation was was really fascinating, and I think it says a lot about Ahsoka that she doesn't really doubt Maul for that long. Like I, I think if if it were another character and Maul said to them like your boy is is turning to the dark side, they would have denied it. But Ahsoka denies it for a second, but then sort of, you can sort of see that she buys into it, don't you? Or, or is that just my reading? Uh, well, I, th- wait, I, I kind of got the impression, like, she, she's with Maul. Like, she is, like, identifying and with, and even goes as far as say, like, okay, I will help you. Mm-hmm. Until Maul tells her that Anakin is the, is the being groomed to be the apprentice for Sidious. And then she's like, no, you're lying. But her get out of here. But her actions are different than that. What do you mean? Like she's saying, she's saying all the right stuff, but if she really didn't believe him, I, I I think that then she would have talked to Yoda about it. And that's what, well, no, I, I think that she doesn't talk to Yoda about it because Mace Windu is such a dick. And she doesn't trust the Jedi because, like, right before he, yeah. right before she he could tell Yoda, citizen. yeah, he's like, yeah. "Well, citizen, you, this, you don't need to know this." Essentially, and she's mm-hmm. just like, she doesn't trust the Jedi. No. I agree with that, but I, I do think I don't know. I have mixed feelings in this, but let's do this. Let's take a break, and let's come back and talk about that sequence. Okay. 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 All right. Stay tuned. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my my wife. Wife. bad to Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f- and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us okay so, so we're debating this sequence here so it's actually my favorite sequence of the whole i think uh four episodes and this comes yeah in, but by the way we didn't say uh the first episode is called old friends not forgotten the second one is called the phantom apprentice and now we are in episode three shattered i love this sequence so ahsoka comes and she's talking to the jedi council on a hollow and Yoda basically says, thank you so much. And she says, I did it as a citizen. And then Mace Windu is the dick he always is <laughs> and says, like, peace out, citizen. Uh, it's actually very reminiscent of Palpatine in Return of the Jedi when Luke says, you failed. I am a Jedi like my father before me. And he says, so be it, Jedi. And he says it like, with, with the scorn. And that's basically what, what mm. Mace Windu says to Ahsoka here. But here's, here's where I, how I kind of read this. I read this as Ahsoka, here's what Maul says. She doesn't want to believe it, but sort of does, and decides she's going to talk to Anakin about it. 
and that she can turn at, that she can suss out the information from Anakin. So she doesn't trust the Jedi to do what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. But I think that she believes Maul. You guys don't think, or Zach, no. you don't you don't think she no, believes I Maul? No, I think. Well, I I don't think she wants to believe him. Yeah, but does but she? I think she did. But remember, we also have her learning from um, Obi Wan that Anakin isn't himself right now; that he's not necessarily to be trusted. Yeah, that was my read from the scene where he recaps the execution um, to her. Yes, he also says to her basically like the Jedi have sent him to spy on the chancellor and she's like well the chancellor's his boo why are you doing this and <laughs> um like, yeah and, and and obi-wan like this is what's fresh i think obi-wan is the best character in the prequels he's my favorite star wars character ever right so i i but i think in in late clone wars slash revenge of the sith he holds his cards close to his vest the mm-hmm. way that mace windu does but that's not who Obi-Wan is. And I think if Obi-Wan had been more clear with Ahsoka in that conversation and wasn't implying so much but just saying stuff, she would have taken it more seriously. Man, I I could talk about Obi-Wan in the prequels <laughs> forever because he's and – and honestly, this is, I think, one of the best uh, parts of um, this season is we get so many little – moments that really kind of underscore everything like the the scene in the bad batch arc where it's very heavily implied that obi-wan really knows maybe more than we ever could have suspected about like anakin and padme you know he he doesn't know that they're married probably but he like he knows i think i think he knows anakin's feelings i don't know if he knows that padme reciprocates it maybe um maybe i don't know yeah. it depends on how much you read into the wink and a nod right yeah on the you know first episode yeah um but yeah i think i think that obi-wan just wants to be a good jedi he it, he he's not really one to question he can sometimes you know we get that part in this arc where he tells ahsoka you know the council isn't always right i feel like he is someone he is a very devout Jedi who is having some crises of faith because he's having to like pick his friend, mm. his, his brother over essentially his religion, you know? And I think some of it comes down to like on the bridge scene. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Zach, you're no, right. no, you're good. I, I think it's almost on the bridge scene where Obi-Wan is so overwhelmed. Um, and you know, Anakin's going to do his own thing. He's going to, you know, cut corners. He's going to make bad decisions, but you just have to kind of let him. And I think only now is he realizing that letting Anakin make his own decisions is really Palpatine making decisions for him. That's a good way. To I don't, it. and I don't think he knows what to do. I think that's where you see the, you know, crying on the mountain before the high ground. He just, <laughs> this situation got so away from him and he spends the rest of his life, you know, regretting it. So, so yeah. while, while we're talking about rest of life regret here, here's what I really wanted to ask you guys. 
if Ahsoka had walked into that meeting with the Jedi Council and said, Maul told me that Darth Sidious is grooming Anakin to be his apprentice. Is there any chance that the events of Revenge of the Sith don't turn out the same? Um, I think timing-wise, they... Because they're about... They, get me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. That conversation seems to be happening as they're about to walk out the door to storm the Chancellor's office. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's too little too late. I think the only thing that could have saved it at that point is if, like, Ahsoka herself could have talked to Anakin yeah. directly and been like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think the fact that she <laughs> didn't, like, I mean, part of it was out of her hands, but, like, I wonder if she, like... Obi-Wan clearly, you know, has that for the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. and we do see, so, you know, we it's crazy that this is coming after the stuff in Rebels where yeah. Ahsoka does confront Vader. Oh, that's what that was. Hard. When she says that she'll she'll tell him the next time she, she sees him, just, <laughs> oh, my God, it ripped my heart out. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, because, like, I, oh, we know the next time. Yeah. See, I think part of Ahsoka leaving her lightsaber at the very end, which we'll talk about more in detail later, is her just realizing, like, the Jedi is not the place for me, but also realizing that to her, being a Jedi was being with Anakin, right? Like, Anakin is so... He's the one who trained her, and she, in a way, let him let him down by not saving him. I, I read a lot of guilt into Ahsoka, and maybe that's just because I'm a Catholic guilt guy, you know. Sure. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I what? just I, I read a lot of that there, and I, I bet yeah. that like Obi Wan, she spends the rest of her life wondering. Well, she spends the rest of her life rewatching his holocrons that he made for her. Yeah. Which yeah. Yeah. That's you know, that's harsh. You know what my my big wish is? Um, if these rumors about Ahsoka being in Mandalorian are since that since this would be the furthest in the timeline we will see her and, and it will be post return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I I want I want so much a scene where Ahsoka gets to talk to Force Ghost oh, Anakin and like I reconcile. Goosebumps yeah. You saying that. Wouldn't that just be the best just the best thing ever yeah, I, well, I want yeah, it I will, so bad. <laughs> I will talk more about the final scene in a little bit, but yeah, there's a lot of questions that come up. What is Ahsoka's role in the, you know, story of Darth Vader, not just Anakin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I do think that, like, to me, that episode be. You know, when we see her not talk to the Jedi Council, that's going to become a regret she's going to carry with her forever. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a heartbreaking yet wonderful scene because of it. Um, okay, so then after that, we get... Oh, I, I do want to say one last thing about uh, the Phantom Apprentice. Have you guys noticed that... So we've seen Maul felled three times. We see him cut in half by Obi-Wan. We see him 
captured by Ahsoka, and we see him killed by Obi Wan and Rebels. Yeah. Each time he is he is captured by like the simplest things. Like, he also he also gets captured by Sidious too at the end of the that first Mandalore arc. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 He mm. can't he can't catch a break ever. No, I I, I, I wrote I, in my review of these episodes that Maul's story is one of impotence. Of like <laughs> uh-huh. he he gets very close to things but can't do them. He can't finish mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And yeah. I just think his character is so tragic. When he's yelling to Ahsoka to let him die, that broke my heart. And it's miserable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You know, and and Maul is not a character I particularly root for. You know. No. Um, yeah. Well, it it's interesting because Maul Maul does all the Sith things behind the scenes better than anyone. He can convince anyone to help him to aid him. He can pull all the strings. But that, like, very Sith reveal out of the shadows, he just gets kicked in the balls yeah. time and time again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he even – he has another false somewhere down the line because, you know, in Solo, he's the king of this crime empire. But then we see him again in Rebels and he's living in oh, yeah. squalor on, on Malachor. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Maul. Yeah. 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 I saw. I was listening to a podcast that that described him as uh, Sisyphusian, which is oh, perfect. Mm. You know, he's he's always pushing that that boulder up the hill yeah. and never makes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he, <laughs> I just love the every time. Maybe I'm just a fool watching it, but you watch it you're like, oh, is this like a turning point in Maul's story arc? Is he really going to? Oh no no no! He just he's an asshole. Yeah, that's a, yeah. yeah. That that's Maul. That's Maul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that that third episode, then uh, we get, we see Maul captured, and we see Maul in this like it's not quite carbonite, it's not quite an energy jail. It's kind of a combination carbonite energy jail. I realized I was just quoting Das Racist. I didn't mean to, but that was basically like <laughs> a combination pizza and Taco Bell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that's good. But but yeah, uh, and I, that was that was a dope thing to see. And um, the episode really just you, you, you're watching this and you, re- you realize how close it is order 66 and at least for me i was just waiting the whole episode for that to happen and here's my big question for you guys so when this happens we see that rex is able to somewhat fight the uh fight the impulse to kill ahsoka he tells her to get away and and then he's you know he's really struggling with this do we think that that is because of the relationship they've built or because of something faulty? Because in Rebels, doesn't he say he didn't have his inhibitor chip? And that's why he didn't do it, but we see he I has think, it in this episode. I think this is a mild retcon, a little bit. Um, yeah, because I was actually sure. I was actually thinking, I meant to, I didn't watch that arc with Fives from Season 6. I wish I had. Um, because I think I was under the impression that Rex had already cut his out, but he clearly didn't. And mm. I think the way his his return in Rebels is is shown, I think it's implied that he cut his out, and that's why he didn't do Order sixty six. And I, I think this still works. Um, 
you know, he did have his chip cut out. So that, mm-hmm. that is true. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that maybe, you know, maybe he was primed a little bit because he already suspected something was up with the chips. Yeah. That's, that's my vibes. thinking. Yeah. Um, it could be like an attachment thing, but then my thing would be like, okay, well, why didn't no other, like other clones clearly had close ties to their, to their Jedi. Um, Right, because the I whole can... Cody trying to kill Obi Wan thing, yeah, exactly, would, would seem out of place there. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. I, I'm already kind of like preemptively. I haven't seen too much of this, but I, I was while watching this, I was like, I wonder how many people are gonna try to like marry Sue, Ahsoka, after this, mm. for for being the the like one Jedi who escape. Not the only one, but like kind of magnificently escapes being order 66 you know she she takes on an entire battalion of clones and makes it out alive which i'm perfectly fine with but i i feel like there are definitely parts of the fandom who have been vocally antagonistic against that sort of thing again i haven't seen it so mm-hmm. that that's good i mean i definitely yeah. saw it <laughs> Uh, you've, I, you've seen people you've you've seen people saying those things i've seen people saying exactly what you see what you said <laughs> which is that okay i bet people are gonna call her a mary sue because of this oh okay oh, okay but no one actually doing it because that's what i that, i've not seen anyone actually do it no neither have i actually so that, that's, okay that's <laughs> okay um but I, I i will say this i will say that ahsoka is because of ahsoka's closeness to anakin she feels Order 66 in a way that is different than I think any other Jedi feels it. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Like, she's, yes. she's on the bridge of that ship, <clears throat> and you see her physical, like, reaction to this happening. Yeah, she, like, gets a, a like, auditory vision from the Force. of Not mm-hmm. vision, but she hears through the Force, you know, Anakin... Yeah, turning which, which I, essentially I, I read something really cool about that today which is that they specifically had and i can't recall his name i'm sorry the voice actor who plays anakin on the clone wars they had him redo the line that hayden christensen said, says of what have i done because the, and this article said like the clone wars very closely tries to make tries to remind you that their anakin is the same as the film anakin and so this is like a nice way to do that and I, mm-hmm. I, I do agree that was that was a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, I, I would say that Ahsoka is more primed to defend herself. She's given the warning by Rex. And those two and then she's able to save Rex. And, and she's helped by Rex as well. Yes, exactly. Yes, so but, I, I think that all yeah. of that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I want I, I know Matt, I know you're you're chomping at the bit to talk about the morality of this, and I feel like <laughs> This sequence is like a perfect summation of both characters' moralities. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're now officially into the fourth episode, which is called Victory and Death. Um, so go, go off, Matt. Yeah, no, I just, the the approach that Ahsoka has to even when she's being hunted by the clones and realizing it's not them, that they're still who they are regardless of what they're being ordered, what they're being done. Um, and she's less willing to kill them than even um, Rex is. And the kind of 
the the value of life that even though they're artificial life even though that they are you know the faceless villain that they are still treated with respect they're still buried as brothers they're still you know tried not to be harmed as much as possible which is questionable when you let maul loose on them but regardless it gets us most the way there um it's something you've never really seen before and it was something that struck us when we read the book um the splinter of the mind's eye and seeing luke care about the fallen soldiers we we never see that in star wars and having that discussion between ahsoka and rex i think really solidified why they are different than our purely valiant heroes and i think that's really what encapsulates a lot of what makes rebels special and what makes clone wars special is we have these characters that are vulnerable and these characters that open themselves up to these bigger questions that in ways that just the other ones don't so that's my long spiel on that (laughs) well i i think that each character is very true to who they are in that moment Mm -hmm. rex is the consummate soldier and basically says, this ship's going down, they're all going to die. Us killing them doesn't change their outcome, but it might change our outcome. And yeah. that's a very, like, uh, militaristic soldier's perspective. Yeah, and very Ahsoka, pragmatic. And, yeah, and Ahsoka's thing is, they're not doing this on purpose. Even if they're going to die, I cannot take their lives. And I think that she aligns herself with the only other totally good Jedi, which is Luke Skywalker, in in the nonviolence. Like I, I've this is something that, that that was drilled into my head by a few people, which is like that Luke it Luke succeeds by nonviolence. Every time Luke wins, aside from blowing up the Death Star, every time Luke wins, he does so by not fighting. How does this he is escape how I win? Yeah. Exactly. It, Luke, he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder as he says it. <laughs> yes, this is essentially Luke in um, Uncut Gems, yes. Um, yes. But, you know, we, we see him. How does he escape Vader in Empire? Instead of fight him, he chooses to fall. How does mm-hmm. he defeat the Emperor? Instead of fighting him, he throws away his lightsaber. How does he defeat Kylo Ren? Instead of fighting him, he does a force projection. Like, that is Luke's legacy is one of nonviolence. And you see Ahsoka adopt that similar approach here and god damn that i love it yeah that's good that's really good there's one there is one thing that i've been thinking about that we didn't mention from the shattered episode sure go for it but which is the the conversation between rex and ahsoka about the war and the morality of the war and how the clones yeah. wrestle with the the fact that there is this awful war but without it, they wouldn't exist and how their existence is tied to this terrible thing, which is a really fascinating concept, too, um, that I just wanted to bring that up. And the way that like Ahsoka kind of um, navigates that conversation is really good. Yes, that is a wonderful scene. And a, um, I would also say that there is... There's something in that conversation that is so deep and so beautiful that we get zero of it in the prequels. <laughs> like, I know, there, is, there is nothing in the prequels that even begins 
to approach that nuance. No, yeah, not at all. No. Nah. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so when we get Ahsoka and Rex basically surviving this sequence, the, the side story of this is the reason the ship is crashing, in addition to the clones hunting them, the ship is crashing because Maul, with his force strength, <laughs> destroys the fucking hyperdrive. Which Before was... finding an exit, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but an amazing sequence. Yeah. I uh, think his entire escape was fantastic. Yes, agreed. Um, his, again, I keep tying this to like other Star Wars scenes, but this is like the anti-Obi-Wan sneaking around the Death Star to shut off <laughs> the tractor beam. Yeah. <laughs> Tearing off doors, cutting people in half. <laughs> yeah, and then just literally force pulling the, the, the hyperdrive out or whatever it is. Um, yes. You know, uh, but I love, I love that every time Maul gets captured he comes back somehow more evil and and more <laughs> ruthless. And this is certainly the most ruthless thing that we see him do. Mm -hmm. um, yet still totally less ruthless than anything Anakin does in most of the films. That's a whole other story. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a cool sequence. But so because the ship is crashing the entire episode, there is this real sense of danger that we feel throughout it, even though... You know Maul survives. We see him in Rebels. You know Rex and Ahsoka survived. You see them in Rebels. But this was such a well-done, well-directed episode that you really do fear for these characters' lives, even though you know they're all going to be fine. Yeah. Well, not not the droids. They, uh, they yeah. were not fine. Those Plus droids are droids. heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So is there anything else to get to before we get to that final couple of scenes? Mm. Trying to think back. I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of the... Yeah. Yeah. The, the droids are good. They're like really like one of the few instances of humor in this arc, which is it's a very dark and dour arc, but the droids do provide a little bit of levity. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, so, after the uh, Star Destroyer crashes, we see that Ahsoka and Rex have buried each of the clones with their helmets. And I, I just want to talk about one other quick thing, which is that there's a really heartbreaking shot where you see Ahsoka is fighting against all these clone troopers whose masks are, fa are painted to resemble her face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just see how quickly all of this has changed. Um but after she buries them, or they bury them, she drops her lightsaber and walks away. And this this harkens back to something from the second episode. No, third episode, Shattered. That I wanted to say, but I'm glad I saved it for now. I'm glad I forgot about it. I think it works better as part of this conversation. When Ahsoka says that she did this as a citizen, Yoda says not as a Jedi... And what does she say? Do you guys remember? Not yet. Not yet. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to believe that she was reconsidering her decision to leave the Order. Do you guys yeah. read that the same way? 100%. Yeah. 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 yeah because I think she genuinely, genuinely believed that the war was about to end. 
because uh, um because you know obi-wan was going to fight grievous like she she thought that it was like winding down yeah because she because she holds true even through this this last season that the jedi should not be warriors they should not be generals this is not their role and i think when they shifted back to peacetime she was willing to come back which makes her um which makes her dropping that lightsaber even more tragic because it's no longer just this relic of who she was it's also a symbol of who she could have been mhm and yeah you know does she ever have a lightsaber in rebels i can't remember mm-hmm. she does yeah. she has dual yeah. white lightsabers I yeah wonder. which I, I think the story of how she gets those is in the Ahsoka novel. It is. It is. Would have you read that, Brian? I have not. My daughter has read it, but I haven't, which makes me so okay. fucking proud. Oh, God. You should, <laughs> you should ask her how she gets the lightsabers then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just read it myself. I, I mean, it's my book, but, you know. <laughs> A supplemental episode to this with Amelia. Yeah. yeah. In between her reading eight boxcar children novels since quarantine has started, she also read the Ahsoka novel. Nice. Because I am a good dad at some at some at some <laughs> primordial level that I've I have given her these things. Um, but yeah, so you know she is uh, she drops the lightsaber, and I think it's interesting that again, like, as the soldier, Rex is able to walk away from that with less guilt than Ahsoka seems to have, even though it's his brothers he buried. Mm-hmm. He sees the pragmatism of all of this, and she just can't. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect, perfect way to end that. St- perfect way to end their stories. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And again, I it's interesting. A lot of the um, online descriptions of that scene is that she is like going into hiding. That that's her way of kind of faking dead. But I think it's much, much, much more than that. I think that's way too simplistic of a read. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay, so then we get the uh, we get the final scene of the Clone Wars, mm. which is we don't know how long it's been between the scene of Ahsoka and Rex burying the troopers and the scene we see. We know it's at least a winter later. Because the Empire is on this planet, which looks a lot like Hoth, though I don't believe it's Hoth. Mm-hmm. Um, we see some probe droids and some stormtroopers. Now stormtroopers clad solely in white. Yeah, and, and we see Vader approach the the husk of the Star Destroyer. And we see him find Ahsoka's lightsaber, ignite it, turn it off, and the series is over go off Matt on this last scene well no you are you're 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 missing one piece though which is what he does see shoot what is the name of it Zach do you have it on the tip of your tongue the bird um oh yes he does I do he sees the Ahsoka bird yeah he does he does yeah and that that bird is a cosmic representation of Ahsoka and and her tied to the 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 daughter yeah, yeah, the, um, more broadly, kind of like the living force. Yeah, she is sort of 
the embodiment of the good end of the living force. Um, yeah. So it it's interesting whether or not Darth thinks she's alive or dead, what his feelings on that would be. And then something that's always bothered me about Return of the Jedi is, you know, as quickly as Darth Vader falls to darkness, he also flips the switch back to being a good guy. And it makes it far more compelling that he's been wrestling with these notions for longer. And I wonder what that back and forth, because that clash would be after he thinks he kills her. Um in Rebels, I would assume. You think him finding the lightsaber was after that? I do. I think that's um, series era. Just but maybe I'm wrong. I thought there, because that looks like spot on his armor and the Stormtrooper armor from like the original trilogy era. I thought there was like in some in between in Rebels. I might be wrong about that. But that, that's an interesting read. Yeah, so, again, a lot of it depends on what time frame it is, but, yeah. yeah. So so that bird, it, it's called a convor, and that particular convor has a name, Morai. Morai was a, a female convor with spiritual ties to the daughter. Mm. She became a friend of former Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. Um, yes, that... that yeah that callback that or that bit was very good Mm -hmm. so zach do you agree with matt that this takes place after he thinks he killed ahsoka i don't know i really like that i don't know if i think that that wasn't my initial read but now that matt has said that i really like that because that's just like salt in the wound i'm sure i have a question counters will be able to time it i don't i'm i'm not that into stormtrooper armor to know when it would be but that was my initial read well here's my question okay this is a question we're never given the answer to in rebels so we see in rebels i think it's the season two finale when vader captures ahsoka no maybe kills her no 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 you wait you've seen rebels right yes the whole thing yes no she's saved by um Okay, but here's my question. But do we see do we see how she is saved? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, she no, gets pulled no, into no, the world know, between the worlds. I know that. I know that. Yeah. I don't know. In this in the finale, do we see no. how she's saved? No. So that's no. My, so here's my question. Vader thinks he gets her. Yes. When we see her when we at the end of season two, when season two ends, we see Vader has Ahsoka. No. I think he believes she dies in the crash of the temple. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm speaking incorrectly here. <laughs> Yo, yeah, okay, okay. So he, he kills her. Yeah. What I mean is that... By he, ha- I thought you meant, like, physically possessed her. No, okay, no. He got her. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He killed yeah, her. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 Do we know at, ex- at exactly what point she was pulled out? It was, We see it. It's like... I can't remember because it's been a minute since I've seen yeah. that episode. But we, we see... If I rem- I'm, the way I remember it is like Vader is about to just like slash her and, and then gone. like and she's she's kind of yeah. So here's my question, okay? Does Vader again? This is time travel, and time travel is fucked up and confusing. Yeah. Does Does Vader think 
okay, sorry. Let me let me rephrase this. We see us. We see a solution. Not a solution. We see an ending where Vader thinks he's killed Ahsoka. After yes. she's pulled out by Ezra, does Vader still think he got her? I think so. I think like so. actually, I, wait, I, I don't think yeah. it. I don't think Ezra changed. Well, now that's we're my question. The, I don't think Ezra changed time. I think that's how it always happened. Okay, see that's that's what I was. I wasn't sure how you guys felt about that, because what I was going to say is, if he thinks he killed her, and then he finds her old lightsaber, that's a very different scenario than if he thinks she's alive and he finds her old lightsaber. But that's not even the lightsabers that she's using when he fights her in Rebels. Again, I that's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's why I think that the bird is the significant tie. Okay. Huh. See, I... I... So I think he's finding the lightsabers that he gave her, and he's the bird shows that she's moved on from that. Yeah. We also, I mean, I don't know if Vader sees it, but we see the bird in the season two oh. finale of Rebels as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember if Vader sees that. Um, I need to rewatch Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that last night, how mm-hmm. uh, both of us feel the need to rewatch Rebels now. And, it, and again, as, and as you watch that season, that depiction of Vader, it he has much less free will. Um, he's almost sedated. He's very much just a tool at that point. Well, to me, that's the big takeaway from the first charles soul written darth vader series which is that vader is just middle management mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. um darth vader comic series i should say um, mm-hmm. from the marvel era of vader comics um, yeah because he, he's almost like the public face of the inquisitors because yes. there's other people that have darth vader's same job that don't roll around like he does right. you know mm-hmm. But overall, I think that this last arc completely stuck the landing. What do you guys think? Oh, yes. 100%, yeah. A really satisfying conclusion to this. Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, it, 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 <laughs> I'm going to hate saying it, but it didn't Star Wars it up. And I was <laughs> appreciative of that. I Both of you guys... I, I've heard Zach say this, and I've heard Matt say this, but I've never... This is the first time you guys are meeting, so this is different, but you have both said that Star Wars works best on TV. Yeah. Yeah, think, Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. to me is a primarily TV-based medium now. Yeah, that, that and this shows why. Again, we always talk about this kind of nebulous idea of the show having heart where the movies don't. I think this really hammered that home. So here's my question that I want to leave you guys with. I had always been told, just like not by a particular person, but sort of by osmosis of reading things, that part of the mandate of the Clone Wars was to make Anakin more likable slash to make his fall more tragic. Did the series 
succeed in that? Yeah. Uh, for me, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, so you need too. the bookend of Rebels to make it really hit home. Um, but I think it did, it made him very likable and you miss that Anakin. I don't think it is as gut wrenching when you see exactly what he's become. Um, but yeah, it definitely becomes a character you love where the movies lacked that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Matt would say you. Matt did say. I'm sorry, Zach. I keep doing this. Because I'm used to saying Matt and Liz, and you guys are too similar here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy co host, um, girl co host. Yeah. Exactly. It yeah. makes it very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Zach, yeah, same. You. Yeah. I think there are a lot of like good Anakin centric episodes that like endear you to him a little bit more. It's funny. I was telling someone that I almost hear. Uh, I think I think the actor's name is Matt Latner, the voice for Anakin. Like he is as much the voice of Anakin in my head as. Hayden Christensen is in some sure. ways. Yes. Um, yeah. But I think like specifically you care about Anakin because Ahsoka cares about Anakin. Mm. And that, that at, at least for me, um, like I think about like some of the best Anakin moments in Clone Wars are like specifically like when Ahsoka leaves and how he reacts to that and you know, how he kind of is with her here, how he kind of is with her in the Mortis trilogy arc um, where if I remember, like she like temporarily dies, and he kind of yep. has to deal with that. Um, I like I think and I think Ahsoka is just like the perfect point of view character, which is why I like kind of jokingly, but like kind of seriously think that like Ahsoka is more the heart of Star Wars than any Skywalker character is. Mm-hmm. Um, you like really care about Anakin because she cares so much about him. Yeah. That's good. Um, that's real good. I like that. Um, see, here's, here's my slight dissent on what you guys said. I think that the Clone Wars does a whole lot to make Anakin Skywalker a better character. I still think his fall feels shitty because Revenge of the Sith for 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 it being the best prequel by a country mile, it's still a shitty movie. Well, yeah. Like it, it still does not make his fall. Like no matter what the Clone Wars does, the the brevity of which that film, that film makes his his transition so brief it can't help but feel terrible. If the clone and, and the Clone Wars to make him likable, they had to sacrifice also making him tragic. I really think that's what it comes down to. Is mm-hmm. the Clone Wars decided we have to make people like Anakin, and that's different than we have to make Anakin tragic. Yeah, I mean you you get to see his cruelty. Every once in a while, um, I mean, you see him cut apart and execute, um, shoot, a trench. Um, you have moments of it, but it doesn't. There's no, there's no arc at all. You do, you just see moments of losing control, but you saw that in like Clone Wars, right? Or uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, and I think there are like there. He is kind of tragic, just in the sense that like he is just like a child, essentially. Still, you know, like or or very childlike. You know, he he turns mm-hmm. into this like puppy who just wants everything to be okay the second Ahsoka turns up. You know, he just he just wants stability and like happiness and to just like be able to like enjoy his life that he has not like been able to do because he's you know for better or worse you know he he was ripped out of a bad situation but kind of like forced into this life that he like didn't fully understand wasn't prepared for definitely like wasn't prepared for the the status that he had you know of mm-hmm. being the the chosen one or whatever and yeah he's just like kid who probably like never really grew up and uh is not well adjusted and just wants to be (laughs) um and makes a lot of bad decisions dan it is interesting to think of when anakin was brought into the fold of the jedi they were already moving towards this kind of wartime mentality so it's the same thing as kind of kanan where they're ideas that the Jedi are of warriors, not of, you know, peacekeepers. They're fighters. They were bred to be fighters. And he's a gleeful warrior. He has fun on the battlefield, and he's he's just happy at war. And it's interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we see, like, he does have that, like, bloodthirst Mm -hmm. that we see in Attack of the Clones. And then he gets to basically feed that for three years in a like Jedi sanctioned way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is maybe one of the only takes where I see him as being that and him being a complete idiot being the real puppet for, Mm -hmm. you know, the emperor. Yeah. His interest in him is almost strange as to where it comes out from, but Yeah. He is really. It's really weird how he is like presented as like this extremely compassionate kid in Phantom Menace, and then when we see him again in Attack of the Clones, he's just like petulant and <laughs> imbalanced. And I mean, he's like he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's like the way that like he's portrayed, not especially in like Revenge of the Sith. I guess he he looks much older throughout Clone Wars. He seems older, but he's like like chronologically in his early twenties when revenge of the Sith happens, like he Mm -hmm. is still a young adult and like, not, you know, he, yeah. Yeah. The the films portray him as, uh, as a horny sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't, you don't see any real character value, um, in those movies, the way you do in, the series yeah but there are even there are even moments in in the series like i think of i think it's in the season six arc where clovis bray comes back that's not his name that is his name isn't it clo it's clovis something mm-hmm. um and like he gets very jealous um yeah of of like padme and like i can't remember exactly what he does but he, he gets like very creepy in those episodes mm-hmm. which is like very much in line with the movies. Um, yeah. But you don't see as much of that. 
And and even when he gets creepy, like most of the time that he gets creepy in the prequels are about Padme or his mom. But I feel yeah. like I mean, uh, look, look uh, Matt and I are Italian boys. We know how it is with moms, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like neither one of us are sociopaths because of it. So yeah, I, I you could like... probably like go ahead. No, you you go, please. I was gonna say you're like unlocking this like weird can of worms, though, because like Padme is so much older than Anakin. Uh, like, I'm legally bound to say it's only five years, and five years is okay. <laughs> because uh, people behind the curtain is that Matt's wife is five years older than him. So okay, okay, okay. But they're a lot younger no, though. I don't. They're know. a lot younger right now. That like, was the weirdest editorial decision because that was a complete decision. Yeah. I mean, like Weird Al Freaky. says, he he's he's nine and she's he's just nine and she's fourteen. But <laughs> gonna marry that boy yeah. someday. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I uh, so like uh, there there is something there about like boy who loses his mom finds this older girl who can take care of him, yeah, or or you know give him some stability again. I don't. know. I may be reading a little bit too much into it, but well, the problem with Padme being a poorly written female Star Wars character is she very much feeds into his protectiveness his egoism in the movies uh-huh like it he comes back from slaughtering women and children who we learn in the <laughs> mandalorian are just regular people they are not monsters um and she then consoles him in her bed like that's it's a very weird relationship they have yeah yeah you're right it, it's weird <laughs> it's very self-destructive yeah yeah well, boys, this has been as much fun as I thought it would be. I uh, <laughs> I am very glad to have gotten the two of you to talk about this together. This is this is super fun for me. Um, glad we got you to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I said the, the two of you are are two thirds of the matrix that got me to 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 watch these series. So thank you guys very much for that. Um, Zach, I mentioned before, but tell us about uh, your podcast that you do. Um, so I'm. On the DC three cast, we talk about DC comics right now. We're reading, uh, we're going through every DC event ever, not ever post post crisis on infinite earth. So from 1985 uh, to present day. Yeah. Because there aren't new comics coming out right now. And, um, it's fun. We have a good time. We do have a good time. You and I enjoy this new format more than our co-host Vince does. Definitely. He's hurting. He he's, um, he needs his fix. Um, yeah, and then Multiversity Manga Club. Um, I am on that halftime now. Um, and uh, it releases uh, every other week. And one week, uh, the episode that I'm on, we're going through One Piece right now. And then the other week, my other co-hosts, Walt and Emily, uh, talk about the weekly Shonen Jump books that come out each month. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. And then, yeah, Brian mentioned every once in a while we're on the DC three boys are on Make Mine Multiversity, where we talk about the Jonathan Hickman led X books. It's a lot of podcasts, dude. I know. It says the guy who does more than that, but still, I know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> uh, my kids don't see me a lot, Zach. So it comes down to, and and where can folks Aww. find you on Twitter? 
I'm at Woker Fox. And uh, Matt, where can folks find you on Twitter? Ooh, I forget. You're at Matt DeLagori. There we go. <laughs> How do I know your Twitter handle better than you do? Uh, well, you have to tag me in things. That's so true. That is true. You see it more. And I am at Brian into Nap. We'll be back in a few weeks with, uh, I think, Liz's next catch-up on the Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps a book. We, we decided our next oh, – we should say this. We decided our next book club for the podcast will be Star Wars Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston, which came out uh, in March and was available for free as part of May the 4th. So we'll be reading that next. Hopefully you all pick that book up and we can, you can read along with us. But we're continuing Liz's journey through the Clone Wars. That might continue into Journey Through Rebels. I don't really know yet. Uh, We have some stuff coming up. And, um, (laughs) yeah, uh, until next time, remember, the Force will be with you always. 